Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. Today I'm welcoming back Hannah Guthrie to the podcast, and y'all really liked when I had Hannah on in the past. Her episode actually holds number two all time right now. We released that back in January, and it was with Hannah's friend Christy Ward. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I highly recommend you go back and check that out because that was a very entertaining one. Today, Hannah and I are discussing a lot more in the way of bodybuilding and her journey as an NPC wellness competitor. She talks about competition and show prep, including meals and different things she tracks, from sleep to stress to all these other fun things that come up along the way. So this is really a great educational but also entertaining episode at the same time. Before we get to this episode, though, do us a quick favor and head over to Instagram. Follow Hannah on Instagram at HannahGuthrie63. And if you or someone you know works for Instagram or can help get an account unblocked, see if you can do anything to help get Hannah's fitness account unblocked. I know she would really appreciate it. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. I'm super, super excited to have you on again today. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for having me again. Long time no see. I know. I know. I can't believe it's been like seven or eight months already. But for people who might have missed that last episode we did together, which is still holding steady at number two all time, would you mind kind of reminding them of who you are and all the amazing stuff that you've been up to? Yeah, so I'm Hannah Guthrie. Um, I'm a fourth year environmental health pre-med major at the University of Georgia. Um, and I am a MPC wellness competitor. For people who aren't sure what the whole NPC means and what a wellness competitor division is, would you mind kind of explaining what all that entails? Yeah, so the NPC is the National Physique Committee, um, and it is, I guess, the prerequisite to the IFBB, um, the International Federation of Bodybuilding, which is the pro league. Um, wellness is a division. It's relatively new. Um, there's a variety of different divisions for both men and women. Um, but wellness, my division is more lower body dominant. I would say a lot more lower body dominant. Interesting. Interesting. And I would imagine that there's probably a series of drug testing and all these other things that you probably have to go through as well. Yeah. So actually, the majority of the shows in the MPC are not drug tested. Um, my first, however, I did the natural Ohio in April and that was drug tested. So they had all the girls and boys lined up one single bathroom drug test, big man <laughs> standing out there watching you go in. Um, but yeah, actually most of them are not drug tested, but some of them are, if you compete in a natural show, which I did my first show, um, those will be drug tested. Awesome. Awesome. So you are a drug tested bikini competitor who has been rocking the world and really making a splash in the show industry from what I've seen. And how did you get into that? How'd you get started with it? And where did this all come from? Um, well, everyone asks me that how I got into <laughs> it. Um, it is really like a bizarre thing to just start doing out of the blue. Um, for me, it's something that I had really kind of always wanted to do. I mean, you see it all over the place. Um, I'm a big fan of like Ronnie Coleman and Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and those guys. Um, so I've, I've seen that and I grew up an athlete. I played softball the majority of my childhood. So um, when I hung up the cleats, I was really seeking a competitive outlet that I soon found in bodybuilding. Um, I had always wanted to do it, never had the financial means to do it. And then I had some opportunities come along and I did it and I fell in love. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about keeping that competitive spirit alive from athletics in the past, like you mentioned there. And it's one of those things where unfortunately not everyone gets the opportunity to play in college and not everyone wants to play in college because there's so many other avenues out there to explore with your competitive nature and engage in a healthy and fit way and I think everything that you're doing in the bodybuilding world and the 
wellness competition and physique competition, everything that you're doing fits right into that. And I think it's something that more people need to look into because I think wellness overall is a good thing. And well, you're certainly a very fit and active individual. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yes, it, it definitely is something that I feel, you know, it's one of those things that I will say like is not for everyone. Um, but also at the same time, I feel like everyone should do it at least once. It's very life-changing, mindset changing. Um, and it, it carries over into everything in life. You know, it, it teaches you those things that help support you um, in, in your work and your family, everything that you do just um, allows you to build good habits. I would imagine, as you were saying, though, that prep and all the different time and effort and discipline that you put into that show really brings out the best in you. Now, would you say it's a challenge? Like, is there a lot of obstacles that kind of come up as you're prepping for a show? Or is it fairly easy and simple? Um, yes, it is extremely, extremely challenging. <laughs> um, I, I smirked a little bit, obviously, for the podcast listeners who can't see our faces. <laughs> Um, when you said that it brings out the best of you. <laughs> um, you know, it's not always the best of you when you get deep, <laughs> deep into prep, you know, really low calorie. Um, definitely not as much of a social butterfly or, um, you know, it, it brings out the best of your habits and things like that, but it is also a very selfish sport um, and kind of requires for you to really put yourself first, which, you know, is not always considered the best <laughs> of you, but you know, it's what needs to be done. So <laughs> you mean to tell me that you're not always the most friendly and nice and warm and welcoming when you're cutting down like significantly low calorie and can't eat ice cream and pizza and french fries daniel i was running on caffeine in a dream for a while <laughs> i was having i was having cardio for breakfast <laughs> oh my goodness so what but yes goes... definitely a challenge yeah for sure what all goes into the prep like obviously there's a dietary element there's a training element and imagine there's a certain supplement element but there's probably a lot more to it than just that Yes. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, from a training perspective, I was a relatively athletic and fit person before, um, training about five days a week, you know, working hard, eating clean ish. Um, clean ish. I like it. <laughs> clean ish, you know, um, when you jump into a prep, obviously it's different from everyone for everyone. But for me, you know, I went from five days a week to six days a week, one rest day. Um, it's, it was a lot more intense. Uh, I was surprised to find that it was a lot more intense training, um, training in the hypertrophy range. Uh, a lot of the same heavy lifting and progressive overload that, that people would be accustomed to in the gym. A lot of isolated movements, um, obviously, depending on what division you compete in. It is specific to your shape. So with me being a heavy, low body dominant um, division, lots and lots of legs and glutes. Uh, and, you know, you, you do a lot of the same movements over and over and over again. And <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily take the fun out of the gym, but sometimes it can feel a little bit more like a job, you know, like, like a chore that you have to mark off your list as you get deep down into prep. Um, and then cardio comes into play. You know, I wasn't doing much cardio before, if any. Um, and that gets progressively harder as you get deeper into prep. Um, as for diet, there's really two ways that people do nutrition on prep that I know of. And that's meal plan or macros. Um, but basically... If you are on meal plan, you're eating the same thing day after day. Um, everything is weighed out to the gram. Super, super precise. Yeah. You know, you're carrying your, your food scale around. Um, 
but yeah, definitely preparation is key. Food gets down, cardio goes up and that's really how all that works. But with supplementation, um, obviously just making sure your health is intact, uh, as you get deeper into prep, you need more sleep aid type things, melatonin, ashwagandha, those type of, of things to help you sleep. Um, but basically just supplementation as needed, but nothing too crazy outside of just lifestyle fitness. You mean to tell me that supplements alone won't make me the best bodybuilder in the world? Really? So I can't, just, only. Click on, I can't just click on your link, save 5%. Get the if stuff, only take they it, did. And... <laughs> I feel like there's some misconceptions when it comes to the whole bodybuilding and physique preparation thing. And I think you hit on a number of them. One, just the amount of discipline and commitment it takes, because as you said, you're literally, if your nutrition plan calls for it, you're carrying around a scale in order to weigh out your food. And yep. I don't think a lot of people have that commitment, one, or to have the desire to like I'm picturing when I was in college like walking into the college dining hall just carrying a food scale like yep. you would get some weird looks for that but you have to do it and um you know I even rem remember there was a couple people I knew who got into it a little bit in college and they would ask uh the cafeteria workers for like macro lists and different things and they're like oh we don't we don't have that information and every time it was like a whole big freak out thing um, and two, I, like I kind of alluded to there, I think a lot of people put a lot of faith in supplementation and there's this false belief that if I take creatine or if I drink whey protein every day, that's going to be the one thing that I need to set myself up for all the success and the big biceps and, you know, like thunder thigh quads or quads of the gods or whatever your Saquon Barkley quads, <laughs> what, whatever you want to call them. It's just, it's in the whey protein or, you know, it's in the, whatever hormones are in the chicken that you're eating. I don't know what it is, um, but people put a lot of their faith in certain things and they kind of neglect the low hanging fruit. You mentioned sleep. I think that's big. Huge. Uh, you, you mentioned like just the overall training focus and volume and intensity. And I think a lot of people, they go to the gym, they just check the box, put their time in. And they're not actually progressing. They're not actually doing exercises that make sense. Like, I'm sorry, but your leg day should entail more than leg press, leg extension, leg curl, and seated calf raise. Yep. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Is there anything I missed in that? Um, I mean, you are so right about sleep. Sleep is huge. Um, another thing that I keep track of is stress. Mm, I that, like that is also a huge component in physique sports and in the way that you look um stress sleep obviously both intertwined energy levels they go down but obviously there are things that you can do to help support your energy levels um what else how do you track this your is, stress um just a scale one to five really mm. yeah one to five just kind of keeping track of you know, maybe the scale goes up one week and we wonder why, because everything, you know, I did everything right. Why is the scale not dropping? Um, that's where you have to look at things like sleep and stress and think, okay, you were super stressed out here, big spike in cortisol. And obviously that's going to make a huge difference um, when it comes to things like weight loss. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I love that you bring that up because I feel like not a whole lot of people even think about stress. Like even this past week, like I got super busy at work and I had three days in a row where I was in at 7 a.m. and I didn't get home until 8 p.m. So, oh, and by the way, I woke up at 5 a.m., got to the gym and trained first. So leave the apartment 5.15, come back at eight o'clock at night. That's a long day. Yeah, I can tell you my workouts absolutely sucked this past week. Now, yeah. someone like you, where you're competing, you probably don't have the opportunity to have a week of sucky workouts in a row. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there is, there's definitely little room for error. That is for sure. That's why everything is very, um, you know, in, in lifestyle fitness, you, you kind of watch things on a month to month type basis to see progress and things like that. 
it's very detailed for competitors, you know, like daily, daily things like that, stress and sleep and energy. Um, even, even something small like caffeine, like I, um, I, I track my caffeine because obviously if you have too much caffeine, that's a lot of stress on your body, which is a whole nother factor. Um, another thing, totally TMI, we track bowel movements because <laughs> that's huge too, you know, on the way that you look or, you know, fiber and things like that. Like why, why are you struggling there and things like that? Um, but yeah, very detailed, very structured. I, I honestly like it. I'm a very type A person. Um, I like making lists and things like that. So it, it, it kind of is just second nature for me now, just tracking those things every day. Um, but I can imagine it would be very overwhelming for someone who's never done anything like that before. But yeah. Now I, I have to ask when you say tracking bowel movements, we're just saying how like, many, <laughs> how many and when? Yes. Okay. How so many? We're not, That's we're, it. We're not measuring that like we were. the No. Food, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. You got to pull out your food scale. <laughs> I, I was a little concerned for a second. It, it has to be the same scale. <laughs> yes. No, just how many make sure that everything's consistent there, you know? Um, but yeah, also something you'll learn about bodybuilders is like, I, have done it all and seen it all I've had you know people putting a glue stick basically in my butt crack to glue my bikini down so it's an open book here <laughs> I, I I was lost as to where that was going for a second but I, I see it now yeah Interesting. Was not ex- naked in front of everybody yeah I was not expecting that um that date that, that definitely takes I. an interesting turn wow <laughs> neither was I yeah. What was it like the first time you're standing there up on stage and, you know, you've got pretty much everything exposed, just a couple areas covered. What was that like standing up there for the first time? It was crazy. I mean, honestly, I think at that point, you know, 16 weeks into a prep, I was so like tired and <laughs> kind of numb to the whole experience that I was like, okay, let's just do this. I was very shaky um, not necessarily nervous, but you know, that adrenaline kicks in very shaky at first. And then I kind of settled in, but I, honestly, I wasn't even really thinking about the fact that I was standing in front of a bunch of people half naked. Um, but otherwise definitely a rush. I, I really, really loved it. Couldn't wait to do it again four weeks later, <laughs> but it was kind of crazy. And then you have to do, what is it, like a spray tan and makeup and different things to prepare? Yes. So that's a whole interesting thing. Um, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> yeah. So the spray tan, um, I personally did my own. There, um, there are companies that go and they'll spray the competitors. And they'll usually do a coat on Friday night and then a coat Saturday morning. <clears throat> with me doing my own, I really had to do three to four coats starting as early as Thursday. So Thursday, Friday, and then usually two on Saturday. Um, but yeah, you're just basically layering this dark tan on. Um, and then you can't wear a deodorant. So everybody stinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the makeup is interesting. I did not do my own makeup. I had a makeup artist do it, which a lot of people do. Um, however, the weird thing about that is because the show starts so early and they have to get through so many people, they start doing makeup as early as like three o'clock in the morning. Holy so the er- <laughs> in my three shows, the earliest makeup appointment I had, I think I had a 3:40 AM appointment. And oh once you're goodness. up on show day, you're up, you know, so 3:40 to late in the evening is a long day for a competitor. <laughs> I would say so. Oh my gosh. Wow. I can't imagine. Are you like, is it just the female divisions that get the makeup done? Are there guys that get that? Do they just do the spray tans? What does it look like for the dudes? So the girls and the boys do the tans. Mm -hmm. Um, The tan is all about just, um, you know, just defining your muscles and making sure that you don't look washed out on stage. Um, the makeup 
the boys also wear <laughs> so <laughs> so but obviously they just do um you know like face makeup they're not putting anything on their eyes or anything like we do like we have you know big thick fake eyelashes and glitter and things like that the boys don't have that um but they do put stuff on their face so that they look smooth interesting interesting it's very interesting i can't imagine they're super comfortable <laughs> no no and this is kind of like the whole untold side of bodybuilding yeah like, it's crazy especially the no deodorant thing i was like i was not aware of that wow yeah so if you wear deodorant over your tan um it can kind of turn your tan green. Oh, that's, or, that's not good. Yeah, or even kind of like take it off some and you get judged based off of your overall appearance like that. So things like green tan or splotchiness is not a good look. No, no, I would imagine. It'd kinda... But it smells terrible. It smells terrible backstage. Everyone smells like body odor. Oh, good. <laughs> and everyone's just crowded up together. It's basically like 99 yeah. degrees back there and then pumping backstage yeah yeah because you <laughs> have to get a good pump in before you walk out and then to top it all off you wake up at three in the morning to get there and you're up <laughs> until 9 30 p.m it's a long day <laughs> i can't imagine uh so then when you're on the stage you have to have a great posing routine obviously so what goes into like the rehearsal for that or the development of that or how did you really come up with your posing routine yes so as i mentioned before there are um, multiple divisions mm -hmm. um so the posing varies for every division um so what i did is i found some posing coaches and online and i just did a couple of sessions with them they taught me you know front, back, and both side poses, which you have to do in comparisons. So they line up all the girls in your class when you get on stage and they have you, you know, do quarter turns to the right. And so basically you turn all the way full circle. And so I learned those poses first. And then <clears throat> with those poses, I kind of came up with my own little posing routine, which everyone does, adds their little personality and spin on it. And then they have that for their individual routine. Um, but it's just going to vary based on what div division you're in um, because they are different. But it definitely takes practice. The heels are easy to some, not to me. <laughs> um, you know, coming out of softball cleats, that's uh, definitely a transition. Um, so that was hard for me to get used to. Lots of practice. Um, but I really just made a habit of trying to practice a couple days a week after my workouts, um, just throw the heels on, pose for 20, 30 minutes. And then I felt a lot more confident with it on stage. That's good. That's good. And for the posing, is there anything specific that judges look for, like symmetry or bulk or? Yeah. So again, varies with the division. Um, Particularly in my division, like I said, lower body dominant, they're looking to make sure that your lower body is dominant to your upper body. Um, with something like bikini or figure, they're looking for overall balance. So um, they like that S shape or, I mean, you know, like people say X frame, similar to that kind of the shape of the division that they're looking for. Um, they want your posing smooth. Um Something that I did in the beginning was um, clenching my fists because you have to think you're like basically flexing as hard as you can, but you're supposed to make it look like you're not, you know, so you have to try and stay relaxed. Um, I, I got in a bad habit of clenching my fists at first, um, so I had to get out of that relaxing my hands and making it look like I wasn't um, flexing as hard as I can, which I, I was. <laughs> um, so there's a yeah, little bit of an art to it. It's yes. Like, yeah, I, I find that people who come from a dancing background are usually the best in the heels and in the posing and presentation on stage. Interesting. Huh. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. Now, you, you said that you kind of add your personality to the posing routine. So what personality did you interject in there? Was it a little bit of Georgia Bulldog or was it? <laughs> 
Well, I will say there, there are the girls who can pull off a, a sexier look on stage. I'm not really that type. Um, you know, it's more just big smile, just prove to the judges like this. I've worked very hard for this. You know, you just go up there and do your thing. Like I said, some girls can pull off a sexier style on stage, not me. It's more, you know, cute, but um, just basically just smile and facial expressions and things like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I wasn't sure if there was like like certain motions or movements or patterns that you would go into. I'm, I'm, I'm very much a novice when it comes to posing. I can't even like flex in the gym mirror correctly. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I always try and do a lat spread, but I'm not very good. That's, that's more of a figure pose. Um, we don't get judged on our back, so I'm not very good, but one day. <laughs> so obviously we talked a bit before about nutrition and the food leading up to the competition is super essential because you want everything to be as pumped up as possible, but you also don't want any bloat whatsoever. So what would say maybe the last week leading up to competition, that final week, what does that look like for you in terms of nutrition? Are you refeeding? Are you cutting down even more? What does that entail? Yeah, so that last week is what we call peak week. Um, and it really varies on the person and where you're at. So me personally, um, I got ready for the stage two to three weeks before um, so that I could kind of cruise into peak week and then carve up into peak week. Um, some people aren't quite ready by the time they reach peak week and they have to keep cutting down and don't don't necessarily get to have the carb up that, that I got to have. Um, but ideally the goal is to be ready before, um, you want to go into peak week looking flat basically. Um, and then the way we do it is we slowly feed in carbs throughout the week, almost like a reverse diet. Some people do a front load where they'll give you like an obscene amount of carbs on Monday or Tuesday, and then they'll chill for the rest of the week. Some people do a back load where they chill for the first part of the week, and then they give you a bunch of carbs. Thursday or Friday before the show that can be scary because it's very unpredictable with how your body's going to respond and come Thursday or Friday, you know, it, it's important how you're going to look on Saturday. So there's a variety of different ways that people can go about peak week. Um, but really it just depends on where you're at. The goal is to be ready before, um, so that you can just cruise and get more food fill up throughout the week and then look good on Saturday. But it really just depends on where you're at. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. I didn't realize there were so many different approaches to it either. Like I didn't know that you could go low first and or high first and kind of still get results either way. I'd imagine if you go super high the last day or two, you probably feel exhausted. Like I'm just thinking like those Thanksgiving dinner vibes when you're down <laughs> like the pie and the potatoes and everything. And afterwards, you're just in like a food coma. Like, I feel like I'd be exhausted on that competition day personally anyways. Right. Generally, they're the best results really come from a backload like that, you know, Thursday or Friday, high carb. Um. However, it is extremely, extremely unpredictable, and a, a lot of people don't want to do it. I personally do not want to do it, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously it's not up to me. It's up to the coaches. Um, the way that my coaches did it was more of just a slow reverse diet throughout the week, um, which I felt good with, and my body responded well to. However, I know they have some other girls on the team that they have to use a different approach. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that it's individualized to the specific yes. person because obviously everyone's a little bit different, even in food preferences. Like there's some bodybuilders out there who choose to be vegan. I'm not yep. going to say anything about that. Uh, there's others out there. Very who, hard. <laughs> I can't imagine. Very hard. Uh, there's others out there who just kind of eat everything. Um, and earlier this year, actually, we had Kara O'Rourke on the podcast, and she's a bodybuilder who has type 1 diabetes, which that was a whole nother uh, eye-opening thing for me, especially. I didn't, like, 
really understand uh, the importance of carbs, I think, in bodybuilding. And obviously for her, it's a lot more difficult. And right. she also doesn't get to enjoy the same post-show cheat meal, which yes. I've heard is very epic. <laughs> it can be. It just depends. <laughs> so what's, your, what's the go-to post-show cheat meal for you? Uh, you know, after 20 weeks of dieting or however long you do it, um, really you, you'll take anything <laughs> <laughs> with me. My first show I had pasta, which I wanted, <laughs> um, second show I did sushi. And then my third show I had like a Philly cheesesteak or something like that and just went out with my teammates. Um, but really you're just glad to have anything <laughs> right? and right. not have to track it or weigh it and you get to eat at a restaurant. Um, some people go crazy post-show. I have done it. Don't get me wrong. I have done it. Um, but that can be a very slippery, slippery slope um, going into an improvement season or going into a, another show. I can imagine. I can imagine. So you mentioned going out to a restaurant. Is that something you don't get to do when you're in prep or how does that go um so <clears throat> again it's individualized but with me um I think six weeks out was the mark where I lost alcohol and um like estimating at a restaurant so I can go to a restaurant but I can't eat like I can't order food from a restaurant you know like I there's there was a couple times that I went um out with some friends and just brought my food with not quite the same thing but um I mean you can go to a restaurant but as for ordering food probably not interesting and would you say that's like something everyone's super excited about or yeah honestly I, I feel like everyone's just very excited and proud of themselves it's a very rewarding experience um and then just that social aspect of going and and having someone else prepare your meal for once which is nice because <laughs> you spend a lot of time prepping food um so it's nice to just relax and not have to track the food and just have something that's not chicken and rice, <laughs> yeah. which is not, which is not all that I ate, but, um, it, it is, it's a nice, you forget, um, like what a luxury that is, you know, to go sit down in a restaurant. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something I look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, initially meant that slightly sarcastically in relation to the whole bringing food to the <sighs> restaurant and all that. I'm, sure that gets an interesting look or two yeah I've done it way too many times <laughs> <laughs> and then how about like fluid calories or liquid calories like the drinks and stuff like that are you able to down like smoothies or like our diet you know sodas and that sort of thing okay now I again I know it's individualized but for you because you were very successful uh what did you have to go through um yeah so me personally um I did macros, like macronutrients rather than meal plan. Someone who's on meal plan, if they're not prescribed liquid calories, they don't get them. Um, with me, I had the option if it fit within the macros that I had to do liquid calories. But as I got closer to the show and I had less calories to use, that wasn't really something that I wanted to spend my calories on, if that makes any sense. Like I would have rather eating chicken over a protein shake if, if that makes sense you know you're, you're really just looking for volume um but I could have had liquid calories gotcha and how does like the diet drink and that sort of thing fit into it like if you had like a diet soda or something like that I love diet sodas <laughs> <laughs> I love diet sodas I try obviously not to go too crazy because artificial sweeteners or can wreak havoc on your gut um but I love a good diet root beer or something <laughs> every couple of days it's a reward <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so basically I mean that's 
zero calories. So you, you can have things like that. Perfect. Perfect. And then a while back, I just keep circling back like crazy here. No, you're um, good. We'll circle back to it. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Um, political reference. <laughs> um, earlier, you were mentioning that you're part of a team and that you have a coach. And I think that a lot of people probably need to hear that again, because I think a lot of people, at least for me, I've always looked at like the bodybuilding world and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that looks cool. But I didn't understand that there's like like there's a ton of people who have to put time in to prepare you for it. And I also didn't realize that there was literally like teams of people all working together. And I think that's so cool because even though, as you said, it's kind of individual, you still have a team element to it, I would say. Yes, I actually really love that. Um, so as you mentioned, I do have like a lot of people that are supporting me. Um, my my coach, Paige, um, my head coach, Dylan, and I have a posing coach, Alex. Um, so those are my my people, Team Hannah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I compete with a team called Bear Aesthetics. Um, so we have several coaches, I want to say over 10 coaches on staff, um, half of which are registered dietitians, which I think is incredible. Um, very good to have on staff, especially manipulating people's macros and things like that, meal plans. Um, and then I have tons and tons of teammates, which is so cool um, to be a part of that, that community uh, of like-minded people. And uh, sometimes it helps in situations where if you go to a show and you, it, it's very expensive. I don't know if I've mentioned how expensive this sport is, but it's very you expensive. How, how much? How much are we talking <laughs> it's, here? It's very expensive. We're talking, we're talking, if you want to do one show, I would say it's best to have at least four grand put aside. If you want to do a season, you're probably looking more closer to five or six. Um, there are ways to, to save money, um, but obviously it's best to spend money where it matters and not cheap out on things that matter. Um, very expensive, but in cases where you're going to a show and I have five or six teammates there, sometimes we can share the cost of a room and things like that. And then it's just nice like to have those people supporting you. Um, even if like you're competing against them, which has only happened to me once I have one teammate who um, is a wellness athlete like me. And she's awesome, very supportive. Um, otherwise, the other girls are bikini girls, but they compete against each other all the time. But they're super supportive of each other. And they want like they want the other one to win even even though they're competing against them. Um, but yeah, it's just really awesome to be part of a team and, and get to enjoy that community of like-minded people. Definitely. So that four or five, $6,000 cost, is that accommodations and registration and all the stuff that you need for the day? Or is that like in total with the coaching, the posing, the outfit, all that sort of thing? Total, total. So, you know, depending on what coach you get um what what quality of coach that you get you're looking anywhere from 150 to 400 dollars a month for coaching nutrition um things like that uh posing is a whole nother thing you know i think i spent 50 dollars a session i did three or four sessions so that's just a couple hundred dollars extra heels bikini buying a bikini is like buying a prom dress I, I think my bikini was like six hundred dollars um, are you kidding for no i wish i i really wish i was yeah that little piece of fabric yeah <laughs> yeah it's like buying a prom dress now they do have cheaper uh dresses bikinis they do have cheaper bikinis and they do rent bikinis for anyone who may be wanting to compete they do rent bikinis um, and that's a cheaper option, but with me, with it being my first show and I really just want, that's one of the places where it really matters. Um, I just wanted to spend the money, get a really good quality suit that I could keep, have that memory. 
Um, but yeah, bikinis, expensive heels, makeup's a whole nother thing. $150 a pop, um, tan. If you get sprayed, that's another $150 registration runs from $150 to $350 each show. There's just a lot of crazy expenses. And then you're looking at travel expenses like hotels and flights and things like that. Um, but it can, it can turn out to be an expensive show or season if yeah, you do for one or a couple events so how do you suggest people who want to find a way to offset the cost how would you suggest they look into <laughs> doing that so number one something that i did is my own tan um i will say that i have experience in fake tanning if they don't they can learn um <laughs> but you can buy the tan and do it yourself, which will save you some money. You can do your makeup. If you have experience with makeup and you're good at that, I would just watch a lot of um, videos and talk to people about how to do the makeup that looks good on stage because it's nothing like I would ever do in real life. Um, it's a lot darker. Obviously, it has to be closer to your tan. So you, you can't just use the makeup that you would use in everyday life. So you are going to have to go out and spend the money on makeup. But if you're doing multiple shows and you know how to do it yourself, that could save you some money there. Um, renting the bikini is a good option. Sharing the hotel room is a good option. Um, I would not cheap out on coaching because that's going to be your that's going to be what's going to determine how how your prep is whether you have a good experience with bodybuilding or whether you have a bad one and I've heard a lot of bad experiences and <clears throat> the majority of them come down to choosing a bad coach so definitely do your research in terms of coaching um, interview people talk to multiple coaches find someone that you like and you like their philosophy um but that is definitely something I would not cheap out on, if anything. So so don't go with the first time coach who's never competed in bodybuilding themselves? I mean, if, <laughs> check how many pro cards they have first. <laughs> if they're I, taking girls pro, then maybe. But <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good rule someone, of thumb. Yeah, definitely find someone who can help you to have a healthy and happy experience with bodybuilding and not a bad one. And then are you able to seek out like sponsorships or ambassador deals or stuff like that with supplement companies and that kind of stuff to help <clears throat> or? Yes. Yeah, so actually coming back to me having an opportunity that allowed me to do bodybuilding, um, that opportunity was my sponsorship with PE Science. Um, code Hannah, shameless plug. <laughs> but uh, they, um, they reached out to me through social media before I got disabled. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so they extended that, that offer to me, um, which allowed me to do it in the first place. But they have been really awesome to me. Um, they take very good care of their athletes. But I will say a lot of the time sponsorships like that come more at the pro level. Um, but not to say that it can't happen because obviously I was blessed enough to have that happen to me, but definitely more at the pro level. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I'm so glad that as we've been talking that only fans and feet pictures never came up. <laughs> it's okay. Refer back to the old episode. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Any means necessary, right? It's okay. Now we got the, the glue stick to the butt cheek and, and the sad <laughs> thing is there's probably people who would pay good money to see that <laughs> definitely the weirder of experiences <laughs> <I've had. laughs> I, i'm glad i'm learning about all these things now though because there's different people who i've talked with in the past and they're like oh yeah i'm interested in you know maybe doing a show or something like that but I, I don't get the indication that they understood what went into it because I certainly did not understand this level uh, myself here. Oh yeah. Neither did I like, you never know until, until you do it. There are a lot of things. I mean, none of this bothered me, right. You know, like <laughs> none of this really bothered me, but it's just not anything that I was prepared for. I mean, I, I really turned around at the lady and was like, you've got a fun job, don't you? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. 
<laughs> and so she does that all day. <laughs> but, oh my uh, goodness. Yeah, there's definitely some interesting things that I think of now and I'm I'm just like, oh, that's normal. But if I say it to other people, they're like, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah, or like that would probably be the worst time in history to like absolutely just rip one and let one go. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thing the guys don't have to get that done. Actually, you know what? The men's bodybuilders probably do because they wear those little skimpy bottoms. Yeah, they do. They probably get glued too. (laughs) They're at a higher risk for ripping one than the girls. We usually try and keep it classy back there. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. I got you. So on that note, Hannah, is there any kind of closing thoughts or anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to share about bodybuilding? Um, <clears throat> I think I pretty much covered it. I definitely do your research when it comes to coaching. Um, another shameless plug <clears throat> to Bear Aesthetics. Love them. They're awesome. Um, but pretty much just do it for you. I think it's a, a an incredible sport that I'm so lucky to have found. Um, and it's brought me to a lot of people that I, I imagine will be lifelong relationships. So if you have any interest in doing it, I say do it, but definitely do your research. Yeah, for sure. I think that's great advice and insight. And it is incredible the things that you've been able to do just since I first met you to where you are now currently. So I got to ask what's next for you. What's on the horizon? Um, well, so right now I am deep in an improvement season. I am putting on a lot of size, um, which is what I needed. Uh, I'm looking to continue to grow through at least most of 2023. Um, I hope to prep again next summer and hit the national stage in the fall. However, that's going to come down to how much size I can put on and how quickly and what the coaches think. Otherwise, it'll be um, 2024. So, but pro card on the horizon. (laughs) I love it. I'm super excited for you. And then I didn't warn you about this one, but I've talked with this guy for quite a while. His name's Derek Millander. He's the head strength coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we talked a lot about sacrifice and things that you have to give up in order to be successful. And you're someone who's clearly succeeding so far in the world of bodybuilding. And I think that you're going to continue to have success, but you've had to give up some stuff in order to achieve that level. So what things have you had to miss out on as a junior, senior in college uh, because of bodybuilding. Um, okay. So the first thing that comes to my mind is my 21st birthday was during my spring break this year and I was four weeks out. So no alcohol. Um, I was sitting somewhere around 1300 calories. Um, I was freezing cold all the time cause I was super lean. So the beach was not a ton of fun. <laughs> um, so that's my initial thought um so some social situations um but otherwise sacrifice I feel like is relative um I don't feel that I necessarily sacrificed anything because I had a goal that was a lot more valuable to me than whatever I would have been sacrificing you know so same thing with balance you know uh a lot of people are like well like why don't I mean you need balance and things like that and like again balance is relative to what your priorities are and um mine are bodybuilding and I don't feel that I'm sacrificing or missing out on what is normal to people now because I don't want to be normal (laughs) that's not my goal um I've been normal it's overrated so (laughs) I don't feel that I'm I sacrificed anything and I honestly can't wait to do it again (laughs) I love that I love that you bring that up and um, there's a quote I've said this in the past Um, it's by some Japanese 
Um, it, it's by someone named Lord Now Shaggy. I might have mispronounced that. And it says something along the lines of the way of the samurai is in desperate, desperateness. And at the time, the samurai were known as the best warriors in the world. Ten men or more, a hundred men or more could not kill such a man. Common sense does not accomplish great things. You have to simply become insane and desperate. And I realize for a lot of people who have listened to this podcast that they're going to hear things like carrying around a food scale, taking your own food into restaurants, having someone glue your bikini to your butt, and a lot of other things. And they're going to yeah. call that, you know, insane. But those same people are probably never going to accomplish the things that you already have. Yes, obsessed. You're obsessed. You're obsessed is what people want to say. Yeah, I am. Ex- I am obsessed. I have no shame in it. <laughs> and I have no desire to live an average life doing average things. So so what if I'm obsessed? <laughs> 100%. Anna, for people who want to find out more about you or contact you, maybe with sponsorship opportunities, hopefully, or something along those lines, where can they reach you at? Yeah, so Daniel, as we were saying before, my Instagram, my Instagram, fit is currently disabled, depending on when this podcast gets released. Hopefully it'll be back. Until then, I'm using um, Hannah Guthrie 63. Um, so that's an account that you could reach out to me through. Um, otherwise, my TikTok is Hannah Guthrie 80. Um and that I think is pretty much it. You mean you're not on MySpace anymore? MySpace, farmers only. <laughs> <laughs> no, no MySpace. Does that even exist anymore? Well, I, we'll I can't out. even use Facebook. I'm to be honest, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Hannah. It was uh, great seeing you again, and great talking about your bodybuilding journey and hearing about all the incredible stories that you've had uh, thus far. Well, thank you so much for having me. Let's do it again after I get a pro card. I'm down. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.